Uh, hey everyone, welcome to Snidefall episode 94. This week we're going to catch back up with Milo, Don's personal assistant and uh, guide teacher mentor thing, see where he's at. Uh, we're also going to catch up with Tucker and Todd and their attempt to rescue Dad from Taint. Uh, and then we're going to check in with Don and Basilbub down in the restricted section of Hell. Uh, they might have a bit of a tender moment. See, um, that, check was, it out. that was very good. Succinct, one sentence, one breath, go. <laughs> that was that was superb. That's all in this episode. Check it out. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy. balances all over i mean the, the episode that we just recorded the other night the origin one where we're doing dream a dream within a dream yeah <laughs> we're bouncing around it's it's kind of uh uh to borrow um our favorite expression uh shares dna uh, i do love that one they're relatives yeah uh it, it's right up there with history doesn't repeat itself but it does rhyme huh i don't i, I haven't heard that but i like that you haven't heard that one? No. I'm not. I forget where I've heard it from, but I like it a lot, too, because it, it strikes me as having verisimilitude. Just. Yeah. Seems correct and true. Well, I like it kind because of, it kind of the the idea history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. It's sort of I like it, it goes with some of those sort of like uh, Buddhist transcendental kind of ideas of like not necessarily learning the same lessons, but following the same path in a spiral where you kind of like go up, but you are doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, we've been here before. I recognize that tree. This is this is all cycles. Yeah. Um. Hi, Tucker. Hi, Todd. Great to be should back. We, should we start starting like that? Yeah. Why not? Why not? I don't know. Well, hi, Tucker. Well, hi. hi. Todd. <laughs> what was I watch- oh, I was watching uh, Forrest Gump the other day, and Forrest Ooh. Gump asks asks his kid what he's watching on TV, and little Haley Joel Osment says Bert and Ernie, and it always has struck me as funny that like I don't know Bert and Ernie are characters on Sesame Street though are they not? They're n- he's not watching Bert and Ernie, he's watching yeah. Sesame Street. Yeah, Bert and I Ernie. Mean, Bert and Ernie very often get their own bits in isolation of most of the other characters. Yeah, so it's not true. It's not wholly inaccurate, but it's imprecise. Although they should have had their own show. I would have watched the Bert and Ernie show. Oh, yeah, especially if it was anything like the memes where uh, one of them (laughs) happens to be a Vietnam veteran who has frequent flashbacks. (laughs) That would actually be great. The odd couple, like uh, an R-rated. Actually, I would very much like that. Yeah, it would be very R-rated because they, they, uh, I think Bert turns out to be a totally bad person. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're probably Bert, both Bert, on the Bert, cusp of some kind of terrible addiction. Bertrand Dahmer. <laughs> Bert, that kills people. <laughs> All right, I, I guess llamas I guess llamas with hats already did that one. It would be like it would be like two Carls, though. Two Carls. Oh, the yeah, I know what you're talking about. Carl. Yeah, yeah, it would be two Carls. There would be no straight man. It would be two lunatics. A lunatic and a straight man get. I don't know if I've ever seen two lunatics. Oh, I can tell. This is. I was. I was. I was just about to give you an example, and I'm going to give you the example in response to that. Please, I've I've been rewatching The Office, 
And in season two, they merge two different branches of their paper company and Ed Helms becomes part of the the cast. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Um, that is when, I mean, technically at that point, that's three lunatics in that show. That show has three lunatics. And when I was a teenager or yeah, I think I was a teenager when that show was on. Yeah. When I was in high school, I thought that Ed Helms, Andy character was, I, I thought that was the funniest character on the show, but he is fucking insufferable now that I'm an adult who's been in the world and experienced like <laughs> insufferable adults. <laughs> I, maybe that's why I have a difficult time getting into that show. Because they're insufferable. Yeah, I think I've outgrown, I've outgrown the stage where I could enjoy it. I don't know if it has it has to do with too many lunatics, though. I think there might be enough straight people on the set to uh, offset some lunacy. But the unlikable unlikable characters are just plainly unlikable. Yeah, that's that's no good. And that's a lot of the humor. They have to be likable to me and unlikable to other characters, so that the oh, yeah. interaction causes consternation perturbation and despair <laughs> yeah which is our our intent with tucker yeah <laughs> despair yeah i don't know if he's likable to anybody i think so i find them both incredibly charming Do you? <laughs> yes i read through the script yeah okay i'm glad <laughs> they're a lot of fun to write for i tucker i make me laugh i i uh I sit around in anticipation of when I get finished somebody else's speaking parts so I can start getting into Tucker and Todd's responses to whatever's happening. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to know what what Todd has to say about this. He's more fun to write than X, Y, Z character. It's always it's always exciting to have an opportunity to bring their voices into it. Delve into the clowns. Yeah. Well, I don't think we're spending much time with them at all this week. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. But we do have a couple of spinning plates for Dawn that need to start getting moving forward. What is the most important? I mean, on our list here, the first thing that comes up is Milo. Should we be doing? Okay, so I did have a question about that, though. Have we have we done? Have we already done? Here is Milo's new body, or was he still in kind of like stasis? We gave him a new body, but I don't know if we gave him identity getting used to his new like we we played a couple of jokes about how he he doesn't know how to control his new body and and you know he flops around kind of awkwardly and and it's a bit of physical comedy but i wonder if there's there's something to see in him turning his body into a bit of a routine starting to get in the hang of it a little bit of a quick montage where he repeats the same action a few times and becomes more proficient and then suddenly he's just living his life as in as a, in his new body as a new person is he with dawn while she's on her paw hunt no where i've i've completely forgot i don't know if we set this up before we went on hiatus i don't know where milo is right now that's actually what i was hoping to establish today because we haven't talked about dawn or we haven't talked about milo in the present era have we we've, oh have we he's been in he's he's been in flashbacks we've been talking about how he got access to his own body and how what he point might in time start did he get his own body. Hmm? What point in time did he get his own body? When Don was like seven or eight years old. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, it was when they came through. Yeah, they were in the outside. Don and the Snidlings went to this junk town in the outside, the shanty town, where they met Jackie. And Jackie tried to steal Milo. Don managed to manifest some powers to stop. 
Jackie. Jackie applied a bit of emotional pressure to Don so that Don's powers would once again manifest and actually create a body for Milo. Okay. I needed that recap. And then we had a bit of uh, Milo in his new body. Doesn't quite fit. Doesn't He's never had a body before, so why would he know how to use one kind of moment? And then that was where we left him. That's what that became immediately interesting to me to sort of like ponder. Like if you had never had a body before, what would your neurological instincts be the first time you tried to use them? Wank. <laughs> Go right that, for seems the very, that seems very complex. That took me like 10 years to figure out. <laughs> oh, 11 for me. <laughs> Maybe even 12. I never even looked at the thing till I was at least eight. Whoa, where'd that come from? Hey, now. <laughs> Excuse me. What's the, what is this supposed to be here? You can't just bother people with that, though. No, I I think I think he's got a wealth of anatomical data in his head, but he's got no it's all theoretical. He has no like practical or applied experience with any of it. So it would still be new. All right. Um, and OK, so he manifested during that time. Oh, right. Because in the present, the device is just a, a relic in the shop. Yeah, it's empty. What ha- do we know what happened to his body between the time that it was manifested till now? No, that's one of the that's things what we're discussing that's, today. <laughs> that's one of the things that's on the docket for today is okay. how did he get from there to we decided that he is basically the I don't know if he's the leader, but he is the the kind of the soul or the hmm. I'm not sure what the word is like. Maybe somebody else is directly in a command and leadership role of the Alpha Numeric Order, but Milo is the guy. He's the founder, and he's still ever present, playing, uh, pulling on the strings. Should we then maybe not flashback to him? Maybe I don't know. Getting acquainted, but yeah, you, you, how long? But be- yeah, you're. I, I was just about to ask the question that you have written down here. How long before Milo's freedom creates? A, oh, a divide between him and Don. I didn't know it was going to create a divide. I was just going to ask how and when do they get separated? Is that where we should kind of start? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's probably the best place. And uh, now that he's no longer tethered to a device and he's no longer limited by his own programming, yeah, I think eventually he's going to become divergent. He's going to he's going to develop more of his own individual personality. He's going to be a little bit less of her guardian, especially as she gets older and has less need for him. Do you think that he begins that process and she feels abandoned or do you think he starts to become because I don't want to do it like he starts to like start neglect her. I don't think. No, I don't. I don't think because I think I think we want Milo to be a good guy. Yeah, I I don't think we want him to be a neglectful guy. He's still a caregiver, but I do think that. She outgrows him. Yeah, I think Don will push him away. Yeah. Especially because she is gonna she's gonna more and more become this goddess of mischief. And Milo is more of a take order things. Right. Does he have preserve, order, fix all the fires that she starts creating? If anything, he creates the alphanumeric order in response to her chaos. Oh, that's a good that's an interesting point. I was about to ask. Is he emotionally affected by her increasing distance or is he is that some of the personality that starts to come through or 
Do, I... Does he remain Ooh. mostly more detached and like, well, now that I don't need to exert energy into overseeing, I can divert that energy into starting this new order. Yeah. My my original thought, I don't know how much I went into it in length in previous recordings, but I think Milo starts what would become the Alpha Numeric Order as a sort of a personal passion project, just the kind of thing he wants to do that he finds interesting as part of his budding personality. It starts as a hobby, just a, a thing to enjoy. Like does stamp he, collecting. Does he, he, does he just start archiving whatever is in their environment, or do they have is whatever their uh, like uh, habitat is some old archive? I like that. I like the idea that he discovers a treasure trove of knowledge. Yeah, and just starts tending to it and and adding to it and and yeah. expanding it. Because the other the other option is that he just creates the first library ever. But I think it's best if he's inspired by finding a a hidden trove. Lots of stuff in the outside is cast off from other places. In fact, almost everything. So it's absolutely plausible that he would find something in in the depths of junk town, some some buried passageway that leads to a, a fragment some some incomplete piece of a large library, maybe even the Library of Alexandria. I was just playing around with it, like it was actually the the Library of Alex and Rhea. Rhea. But uh, but Alex on the other Rhea. hand, I also want Don to be responsible for the fire at the Library yeah. of Alexandria, and that actually strikes me as maybe that could be the turning point in their relationship. Well, yeah, that got me thinking is like, is that the prompt for when he he takes up? Now you've gotten too far. Yeah, because because if he wants to catalog and preserve knowledge and especially sort of this holistic integrity of, you know, the reality and time and keep everything healthy. Yeah. In this sort of homeostasis, a nice equilibrium. She's incredibly disruptive to that. So they're their relationship is necessarily guaranteed to end in conflict. That's an interest. That is an interesting conflict. The idea of like, I can't, he's frustrated because she's outgrown his like overseeing faculties or whatever. Yeah. She's definitely gotten out from under him, but she still requires, this isn't what he wanted her to be. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah, it, it's, super complicated it's got to be kind of like watching a family member get turn their life upside down well that's almost that's sort of putting this is putting a force speaking of force gump this is putting a force gump scene in my mind it's not exactly the same but it's a, a little twist on it when he asked jenny to marry him the first time and she says no you don't know what love is and he says i may not be a smart man but i know what love is um for for uh milo to say something along the lines of like my intelligence may be artificial but that doesn't devalue my attempts to guide you or something like that oh i like that oh so basically a you're not my real dad moment hey her her to him yeah like she she'll have done something and he will try to reckon with her yeah gently and say Dawn, baby, you can't, you can't do rebukes. that. Yeah. And yeah, she rebukes him. You're not even real kind of thing. And he's like, whoa, 
my <laughs> my intelligence matrix may be artificial, <laughs> but my care for you is very real, etc. Yeah, wow, tender. But but that that strikes me as the the first crack. Yeah, she starts pushing him away, especially because he starts at least by her uh, perception starts limiting her, restricting her. Is this also after? Is she now a teenager? Yeah, mouthy teenager. I can't remember where we is she still have we placed her somewhere new by the time she's a teenager? I can't remember all the popping in and out of portals and being saved and we haven't we're in uncharted territory. Okay. We've got we've got kid Don and and adult present Don. The we've got I don't know like guess thousands of years of in between stuff to play with so <laughs> yeah, exactly. we can we can put her wherever we like. It's all been sort of nebulous. It's an, and it's also entirely possible that she has more fully manifested and taken control of her powers. So she's actually an uncontrollable teenager and she's capable of, let's say, thinking a town into existence so they can go anywhere and she can just decide to make a place for them to be. OK, OK, OK. If we want them to go somewhere else, but we don't want to create a town and a whole bunch of residents in it. She could just like transport everybody to a different spot where there's brand new buildings for no good reason. Right. Are they at some point posted up in Alexandria? Oh, like are they kind of like nomads that move in and out of see inside and outside? By now, Don and Jackie will be getting very close. Right. And I think Don will have at least a couple other supplicants by then. Some more devotees. So that her her growing little friend group will probably be her main interest. Cleopatra is one of her devotees. Oh, yeah. One of her diva friends. <laughs> She's going to have a lot oh, of they those. actually they do that walk like an Egyptian dance. Oh, yeah. Don taught her that one. <laughs> I think that is the bangles or whoever does that. Like because she actually she has she has been time back and forthing this whole time, right? Oh yeah, she can she, she can do some time shenanigans. She brings new wave to ancient Egypt. That's probably Delta. exactly one of the things that Milo spends <laughs> a lot of time having to clean up is timeline pollution. It's an interesting way to think about pollution. Yeah. And an interesting way to think about his uh time use. Well yeah, uh, it'll probably be why he wound up making that that timeline monitoring station at the alphanumeric orders headquarters mostly just to keep track of her shenanigans interesting and that'll be why he's going to become active again now is because she's been inactive for a while so he's kind of probably been kicking back maybe that's maybe he's retired if don's gone his job is mostly self-doing if he's so like to do like retired tropes yeah, especially to do the pulled out of retirement tropes. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. They pull me back in. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So this part consists mostly of a series of scenes that show their evolving and then, of course, crumbling relationship as they both go in different conflicting directions, irreconcilable, culminating in the fire in the library of alexandria milo is going to be in there personally trying to save scrolls and shit 
And thanks How to much? thanks to something Don does, Don does, he can't just like go back in time and prevent it from happening. So how much? How much? This is the be, this is the beginning of an episode. How much are we showing here? I feel like we have we are talking about a lot of time passing. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking it would it would have to be a series of kind of brief scenes, maybe maybe ten to thirty seconds each. Too long for each scene to be a montage, but kind of pick up rather where, rather than pick up ra- where the body thing left off. So rather than showing those three scenes up front, do we want to do? One at the beginning, one in the middle, one at the end, and then filter a story around those tent poles rather than make it like a section at the front and then tell two other sections. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. Just because I, I don't know. It seems like it's either a lot or not enough or I don't know. Or maybe we push out some of this other stuff. I don't know. Because have we I feel like have we actually spent any time with Milo? Not enough. I think I think you're right. So I feel like maybe this is if it yeah this is should maybe almost be like a Milo episode, so, like uh, solely. All right, I okay. Uh, and then end with they're pulling me back in. Yeah. Current current dawn. Yeah, yeah. Right at the very end, him coming out of retirement, and then we can introduce present Milo. Okay. Uh, past Milo, past Milo, establishing. Well, shit. I, like, one of I their like... fights. One of their fights is what sends him. He goes out for a walk or something. You know, one of those introspective walks in the rain under the stars, whatever. That'll be how he accidentally stumbles upon this secret passage. It's going to leave him, lead him to a, a trove. Oh, okay, so we we start with him discovering a trove. Yeah, I think I think that's a great place for uh, establishing Milo. Now that he's starting to become his own person. Anything that isn't the thing that inspires him to do his new life's passion or his life's passion itself is kind of window dressing. Now, should this trove be something like, for example, a library of Alexandria, a true like ancient, um, you know, nest of knowledge or whatever? Or is it some reference to a pre-reset thing or even a post-reset thing like a, a, a canon a canon treasure trove rather than a real world treasure trove. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think pre-reset because the the reset had no effect on the outside. Mm-hmm. Oh, and... does he maybe find? Um, did we ever get around? Because I feel like I feel like we did, but I can't even remember what it was. I was gonna say, does he find the the cave with the shadow people? Oh, you know, we never really did a good Plato's cave. Then maybe, I don't know. Maybe we should save that for a different thing because I think that's more fun to use as like a, a a literary device than just like a reference of a here's a thing. Because sort of what I'm dis- discussing doing is a thing that we talked about. I think just last week is the the frozen trolls in the Hobbit. Yeah. Or I guess they're also yeah in the Lord of the Rings. Look, it's Mr. Bilbo's trolls. Um. I'm thinking of things we did in the outside. There was the house factory. There was the the resort or something like that where Obviosa was staying with all of her. Oh, was it a resort or was it a village? A village thing? Yeah, I can't even remember. It was just. By I a, think. A I lake. think it was. It was a. I think it was a village built on stocks, and the the uh, the water that it was built on was actually flowing liquid dirt somehow. Yeah, something like it that. It was it was weird on purpose, but cool. 
But that's also uh, much later in the outside's history. That stuff might not exist yet. Aww. Although I do, I do like the idea of that house's factory just having always been there. The social construct factory. Oh, yeah, that's actually interesting if he took it over later. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're we're in super far past history of the outside, so we can also do whatever we like with that. Right. It's as good as a blank slate. One thing that I did think about, though, when you were asking about the trove, mm-hmm. I wonder if it wouldn't be interesting if the trove actually was anachronistic even with itself like inside there's scrolls and ancient texts over here written on like barely barely still in one piece vellum like if you breathe on it too hard it'll crumble to dust kind of old and then of course next to it is like leather bound books made out of actual paper and somewhere in there there's like an old-fashioned blocky computer terminal like blocks of different parts of history and knowledge from those blocks of history. Hmm. I mean, at either it starts that way or eventually it should end that way as everything gets, you know, collected and preserved. Yeah, I'm just I'm just now trying to extrapolate that and turn it into cool stuff and the first thing that popped into my mind was season 2 of Dirk Gently. Hmm. What if there is a lore keeper somewhere else whose memories and contained knowledge manifest this place? I think that might be a job for Socrates at long last. Oh, are you saying that this is... Sorry, what is a job for Socrates? Maybe he made the trove. And stored like it's his knowledge? Yeah. He, uh, as in, in the far, far distant past and and lots of background that we never really discuss in uh actual recordings socrates is an out is a hermit living in the outside in self-imposed exile right and he's been there since before anybody else that we've played around with has been there all right before the current conceptualization of time yeah at least as far as anybody in in the the homeworld universe is aware of it right 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 because he made the god computer. And so this is his favorites or something like that? I think if it was his, his real favorites, I I think he would still be there. I think whatever this is, it'll be maybe like an abandoned research project. Something oh. something something that he's no longer directly involved in. Oh. Would it is it fun to come up with what that project was? It might be. Why would Socrates be collecting a gigantic database of <laughs> a different joke is this is the original uh, alpha or whatever for WikiFeed? <laughs> it's just uh, what's it called? What are they called? What are those things called? Filing cabinets, filing cabinets after just row after row of like in, of. Uh, Proto I can't remember feed. anything. Yeah, proto wiki feed, just photos of the <laughs> cannons. Okay, that's that's way funnier. <laughs> but okay, somehow my, there's, Milo there's is inspired Milo, by this. Milo's Milo's in there. He's got a torch. He's looking at this, thinking, "Oh, whoever made this must have been a fucking genius, a true master. Look at all this knowledge that must be contained here. I have to inspect it." And he opens it up, and yeah, it's just a bunch of feet. <laughs> 
It pulls oh, out the filing I, I love cabinet. It, it goes all the, the way idea. to the adjacent wall. <laughs> yeah. And it's all just eight by ten glossies. Yeah. Some uh, signed. Yeah. Like autographed. Autographed by uh by a foot Ancient being dipped in some ink <laughs> and then toe printed. <sighs> I mean, so is there some sort of <laughs> <laughs> is the, is is there a device that Milo can go? I can repurpose this research device for my like for for good <laughs> for a yeah. more just cause for for good instead of whatever this is for. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly evil. <laughs> yeah, these are all left feet. I guess I guess we know who's this Columbo, is. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah. There's uh, a computer terminal in there of some kind. It's just er- erase foot ar- archive. Why? Oh, is, slash is, no. <laughs> yeah. Is the computer identical to the one that we showed as in the God computer in the in episode one? Oh, I like that. It has the the exact same sort of readout. Yeah. It's it's based on the same operating software. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's how we know Socrates made it. <laughs> I had no idea he had a thing for feet. <laughs> I have I'm I wonder if he's got other research stations gathered around where he's just got I don't know, lots of knee picks, armpits, shoulder picks, append extremities. Yeah. <laughs> Dotted throughout the landscape of the outside. <laughs> He's got all the human anatomical knowledge, but none of it's in the same place. So oh, somewhere right, he's got like kidney pictures. Because was am I am I for was he was the one that was obsessed with no Plato was Plato. obsessed with, with right. becoming organic. Right. He Plato's was a synthetic retreat. he was a synthetic man and he badly wanted to become organic. And it actually isn't outside the realm of possibility that Plato had a hand in this. That could be interesting. Okay, yeah. We can discuss that. Yeah. Okay. Um, a, a, a treasure trove of knowledge left over by the ancients turns out to be a repository of feet pics. Some <laughs> fetishist created a treasure. This is somebody's personal stash. And Milo is inspired by the dedication and attention to detail required for creating such a trove, but he, he heavily and justly so disagrees with that application. So he's going to go ahead and delete this entire thing and fill it in with something (laughs) useful instead. Format. (laughs) Yeah. This will erase all data. Please hit the Y button, (laughs) hit it so hard that the keyboard cracks. And then it just shows like a progress bar filling in. And and yeah, that that's, and that was when I decided to begin my great work. Oh, does it transition? Do we do a time jump from there? He's like filling in his uh, memoir or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that that would work. Or Fo- he's focus on interview. the focus on the loading bar for a transition. And then in the next transition, he's just finished uploading this newest important piece of data. He's still working in the same place, but he's cleaned it out. It's it's pristine now. No more cobwebs. No more filing cabinets, no more feet. What is there in place of filing cabinets? Uh, maybe more like hard drives and like computer towers and server things. More more technological devices. Okay. And probably shelves with scrolls and stuff. And Some no feet. <laughs> no feet. 
Yes. <laughs> no feet. No Hitler. Yeah. Same style. Same oh, that style. would be interesting if our Hitler sign on our door is torn. There's a bottom half that we've never seen. Oh. And the bottom half was the no Hitlers, no no feet, no Hitlers, no service or whatever. <laughs> or yeah, the other, yeah, that's not what I mean, but you know. I know I understand what you meant, but I I do think that the logical conclusion of that sign is funny. <laughs> we only serve Hitler feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're not Hitler's feet, you can get the hell out of here. Can't imagine that business would stay open very long. Not very long. Two clients at this the most. Niche, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it niches itself right out of the market. I, I like that, the the idea that, oh, that's also an excellent way to transition into a Tucker and Todd bit, you know. It, uh, any extended focus on the no Hitler, no feet sign. Mm. And then and then it, it transition shifts from there to just show the no Hitler sign. The, the like no current, feet slightly sign yellowed. Off. Yeah, yellowed with time. Yeah. We thought it was just like nice wood grain color. Nope. Oh, I wonder if that means the no feet half of it is somewhere in dad's curiosity shop. Oh, interesting. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, we've already got the first, the top half of the sign. I highly doubt Milo kept the rest of it after whatever happened to it. Okay. It, But that, that transition is only necessary if we're going to switch away from Milo and go check on Tucker and Todd. Um, I mean, what do we have going on with them? Dad quest. Yeah, dad's been kidnapped by Taint. Well, I guess he hasn't really been kidnapped so much as he's been taken prisoner. His dad helped us to escape and stayed behind as a decoy and a distraction so we could get out. Dad and his uh, monkey with a hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> yeah, it caused caused the uh, the dancing chaos. Um, Sorry to go off a tangent. Have you seen the movie Hot Rod? Yes. I had not until yesterday. And a lot of that movie is so stupid. But when Ebenezer Scrooge leans out of the school bus at the end screaming about the goose, that might be one of the funniest gags that I've ever seen. (laughs) That goes directly to my sense of humor. I feel like that's a lot of what we are doing with our show. Placing Ebenezer Scrooge in school buses. Yeah, I. uh... (laughs) And, and, And Bill Hader. Mm with his, when he does acid and gets the the shard of whatever sticking out of his eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's what that's how we do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um do we want to I mean we are sort of in we're not even in the middle. This no. could would do we want to take time so we start with a bunch of setting up Milo and his new place. Yeah. Why why he gets inspired to start doing this project and then a peek at how Don's behavior is in direct conflict with that project. And then frayed relationship starts to show Don's a teenager now. And then, sorry that, and then there was a lot going on. What dad quest. And then there's still the, the I have too much. I feel like I have too, too much stuff on my screen. Um, yeah, we have a lot of spinning plates. Would you like to talk any of this away for later and focus on just Milo and Don. Well, I, I mean, technically, isn't didn't the last episode set up whatever the hell is going on with Jeff and Don? Isn't that kind of like the most important thing going on right now? Kind of, yeah. But Milo is going to be essential for Don's growth too. It, if anything, 
we've we've written everything to be so connected that we have to catch everybody up at, at roughly the same rate. Is there a possibility? Uh, Don, baby, Don, Don at one, two, three, four, five. Um, I, I, I mean, before I even start going into what each one is about, is there a possibility that we could bump, we could insert, like make a whole episode that's just about Don and Milo and what we've been discussing so far, and yes. then insert that as an episode <clears throat> earlier than where we are, and then make this episode just Dad Quest and Paw Hunt? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. And I'm also not necessarily dedicated to 10, specific, 10 episodes, you know, as a hard number, as oh, yeah, satisfying sure. as it is. I think uh, the story will take as many episodes as it takes. I agree. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying even... to fit it into our, our number is uh, still ideal. Yeah, I'm not even sure. I'm where's our list for. I don't remember where the planning stuff is. Is it in primer season five? It is. I'm I'm looking at episodes. Last week we did five. This is six. So we are we we have now passed the halfway point. This is the first episode of the second half of the season. So we actually still have plenty of miles left. Yeah, chunks. So we're we're not in danger of running out of space yet. I thought we were, but we actually still have the entire other half. Well, I don't want to. I would. I would like. I would like to start attaching my brain to some of the other ideas written here, rather than talking about more. Because these are all new Milo ideas. So now that we've spent a decent amount of time, kind of like setting up an idea that we'd like to explore with Milo, we can set aside what we've discussed so far, and then maybe figure out how to rework it later. But for yeah. now, just move on to talking about dad questions because I'd like to get my mind wrapped around it. <laughs> yeah, and and the Milo parts they can they can be an episode all by themselves or they can be cut up and inserted as mm. flashbacks you know throughout various yeah, parts because we had we had a theme of doing that with don stuff already yeah so no harm with that but okay tucker and todd they've got ken and ted with them and the car they've got straight detective effective detective now mm -hmm. the car's ai and craig a fairly filled out cast of characters they are brainstorming i think probably some kind of plan to get dad back did they i can't remember did they see who took dad do they know who took dad well they dad they know that dad was there at the taint headquarters with his monkey and a hurdy-gurdy to create the dancing sickness as a distraction for them to get out and they know that he wasn't able to escape with them and that the curiosity shop has been taken over by taint agents. Mm, okay. So, and with Ken and Ted with them, they have a pretty good idea that dad is just in taint custody. So is that kind of the last we saw of them was looking at the, the curiosity shop um, surrounded or whatever? Yes. Okay. So that's where we can pick them up. That's, that's their last. That's the last thing we've done with them. They were, so yeah, we can... I believe they were in Ken and Ted's car with Ken and Ted watching through some binoculars. Anybody got any bright ideas? Anybody got a Snickers? <laughs> I'm not myself when I'm hungry. It just... He's it's, Joe Pesci. 
Yeah, it's it strikes me as a Tucker and Todd moment where everybody else is starting to talk plans and then the boys are like, I'm kind of hungry. It's been a long damn time since we had any waffles. Yeah, actually, one of Taint's experiments on them was to see just how many waffles they could eat. Oh, so very recently, waffles. yeah, very recently, they had more waffles than they had ever had in their entire lives. I think it would be funny if they traumatized. Uh, they they mentioned being hungry and Jay says, well, there's there. We'll just stop at the waffle place right over there. And they're both just like, oh, no, <laughs> react with horror. And, and that's probably going to startle everybody. They start barfing. Yeah. <laughs> just just immediately, immediately fill the, the car with vomit. Somebody yeah, has with, to roll down the windows. <laughs> waffle patterned vomit. <laughs> this is gross, but awesome. <laughs> Roll down the windows, a tide of, a tide of our waffle vomit just leaks out. Yeah, with with little uh, squares of butter. Oh yeah, <laughs> like looks, several, looks <laughs> just like a, a tide of green spew that has whole waffles floating in it, yeah. like little boats, little lily pads. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of chewed up chunks and just whole waffles because why not? There's already more vomit there than the human body could contain. We were force fed. We've we uh we've already had our fill of waffles. It, that uh yeah, okay, the waffle scene just as a callback. I think it's time maybe like a, a really brief flashback. It's it's like with the Grinch. This is not pudding. <laughs> 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 It's just a perfect sort of progressive. Yeah, it's just a perfect progressive montage of what it looks like to badly overeat. The distended stomachs and everything. Yeah. And and like shit all over their lips and stuff. (laughs) So Um, an exchange glance, projectile vomit. Everybody now needs to file out of the car and and like wipe themselves off. So like, that's it. That's it. We got to go. We can't continue like this. They'll smell us coming. One interior detailing later. I like that as like a a card on the screen. Clock wipe. Um, I also I also think that as a graphic for the transition, the the one interior detailing later can be wiped off the screen by a squeegee. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then, bam, we're in the in the next scene. I think reconvening at the studio might be okay to come up with a plan. Yeah. Really, really quickly, though, I think it should be a sort of a rough, a rough plan. Nobody present is really a big thinker, except maybe Craig, an effective detective. Well, because even I'm I'm trying to think of what the plan possibly could be. I mean, I assume it would be to use Ken and, Ken and Ted's like inside access. Yeah, they're they're in. Adam, right? Yeah, they're in full rebellion now, so they're on our side. Let's let's say that they're they're finally ready to do more than just leave doors unlocked. They're going to they're going to let us use their key cards and stuff. They sneak us in under their parkas or whatever. Do they have taint parkas or do they have the same costumes? I'm trying to when I what when you imagine taint, what do you imagine? A, I imagine a, a a large structure, a large lots of different uniforms for different tasks. I think of like a really filled out hierarchy okay. that it that's got like a, a mobile task force sort of paramilitary uniform for 
actual like fighting people and then you've got like lab coats for research staff and for the for the fargo agents they look like uh have you seen equilibrium yes they've got those like long dress robe things <laughs> oh I, do I don't think even know what you call that. I think that's really funny. Those inc- extremely long jackets. <laughs> yeah. Like, they yeah. are kind of dressy, roby. Almost like Asian dusters. Yeah. <laughs> but they are they are like quasi-religious yeah. in, in their appearance. I do like that. But I also think it would be kind of funny if Ken and Ted were in a uniform that looks extremely similar to their sheriff uniforms, but now they just say taint instead. <laughs> so they've got like similar hats, similar jackets, but it's just it's got more intense colors. Yeah. Especially since they've been basically put on shit detail. That's one of the reasons why they're in open rebellion now is they've been like progressively demoted and given crappier tasks because they were never, they were never cut out to be taint agents in the first place. No, they're too nice and thoughtful. You need to be brutal and ruthless to be taint. Also, they keep letting other people in the car. They keep. Oh, yeah. I think the car AI is also an open rebellion by now because she's just sort of taken on aspects of their personality. I like that. Which reminds me, I wanted to briefly discuss the possibility of romance between Craig and the car AI and if that would be funny. Um, where is Craig? Is Craig with us? Yeah, I think he's with us. This is the sort of operation where we need a, a computer friend. So, um, is it is is he doing? Is it is the trouble? He's doing like the Joey Tribbiani thing, like he's hitting on her, but she has no interest. Or are you imagining a? Uh, you said, did you say budding romance? Actually, kind of imagining that she flirts with him and he gets Twitter pated. Oh, he's all flustered. Yeah, I'm into that. He kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of locks his hands together his, his tie his... goes stiff <laughs> oh <laughs> i like that he's got like a, a loading bar on his screen and the uh it fills in and then overfills <laughs> Morning thing. yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah i uh that that strikes me as the his best way to do it oh like he's a toaster yeah <laughs> with a ding and everything yeah i like that okay i don't even okay. remember Car- what shape he's in anymore is he that wally tread thing or what does he look like <laughs> i think by now he has his wally tread body okay wally tread body is a pretty good name <laughs> yeah i mean it's still better than his cardboard box computer terminal body that thing doesn't have legs although i think i did uh, write it as basically being able to hover. I think it could hover. It also has flaps. Um, hey, nice mud flaps, toots. Okay, so openly flirtatious car AI. They're gonna have. They're both gonna get told to oh, get a room. We're trying to work here. Something, something. I'd love to get a room with him. Let me show you to my garage. Craig's entire screen just melts right off. Like <laughs> a blue screen. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, shit, didn't that happen to the Compi 386? All the words melted off the screen and just fell into Strong Bad's lap. Oh, probably. And the Compi just peed my carpet. Yep, I remember now. Okay, but plan. We still do need a plan. Some kind of a plan. A plan that a bunch of idiots can complete, too. Because that's most of the 
Is there any? Because we've done we've we've done an Ocean's Eleven heist. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm trying to think. Is there a plot of anything that we can rip off and do an analogy? Uh... What was our Ocean's Eleven heist? Oh, I think we started applying that into getting into Mount Poon. So that's like that's like a phase one. We were gonna do a, a heist plot to get into rescue the boys, maybe, or rescue somebody. I think that might have been a pre-reset thing. Yeah, that is a pre definitely is. Because in the newer mount, in the uh, the remastered Mount Poon, Plato actually just takes them there. I yeah. think. Um, but this is, I'm trying to do, uh, is this, oh, uh, is this more of a prison break? We're going to rescue dad. How about, do we have any rescue? Oh, oh I'd, I'd like to Jones do Jones uh, rescuing. <clears throat> Indy? Yeah, Indy rescuing Sean Connery. They were going to get, that was, he was getting his dad. Is there any dad rescue stories besides that one that you can think of? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And, and Indy is very competent at rescue stuff. Like he is so good at punching Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they also have a lot of goofy slapstick stuff with like the fireplace. Like they, they have <laughs> no some ticket. Magoose, magoose stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was one of the best scenes in the entire film. A very tense moment that ends in a, a perfect joke. I think an elaborate plan is made and everybody gets asked, okay, do you understand your role? And nobody does. Oh, an elaborate plan that immediately goes on. Like, do we do a montage? A montage of planning, like people taking notes, setting ro- out blo- uh, rolling, setting up and... blueprints on the table, marking down things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running drills of like practicing. <laughs> actual training drills. <laughs> training drills. Through the tires. <laughs> yeah, like uh, doing acrobatics through the lasers. And they they get progressively worse and worse <laughs> and worse. Tucker is Tucker has long since fallen right into one of the tires and is being stepped on. Everybody fails at everything. At the end of this montage, everybody's kind of scuffed up looking. Tucker's got a black eye. I don't know why I like beating up Tucker so much. <laughs> should they get progressively worse? I think, or should the training show them getting progressively better? And then when the time comes, everything they train for is not what the situation is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Eye of the tiger. Yeah. They actually do improve. But some, yeah, something is just going to like derail the entire thing. And they're like, all right, we're just breaking into the curiosity shop to get the ray gun or something. Yeah. But I, I do think that the curiosity shop is an excellent starting point for the actual mission. Well, how did dad get us out of there in the first place? He used the hurdy gurdy from his shop, made everybody dance. You remember Ken, Ted, you were there. You, you danced. So we think the hurdy gurdy is the key to the mission. We think something at the, at the curiosity shop might be able to help us get dad back. The hurdy gurdy is in fact still in taint custody with the monkey and dad. Sad, sadly, it did not escape. It's probably in like a great big containment cell or something with like lots of warning tape and stuff around it. Do not come near. If you do and play this thing, it will cause the dancing sickness. Hmm. Oh, that actually makes me want to briefly transition to Taint headquarters where dad is being questioned. Tell us about the instrument. In another room, the monkey's being questioned. So... Taint has the monkey and the instrument at their headquarters. 
Yes. But we think that we need to go to the shop for them. Not for the hurdy-gurdy specifically, but for something else that might be useful. Dad has all kinds of stuff. We don't have any stuff. We no longer keep mad science in the studio. Hmm. What if... Because I, I, I just don't... I'm having a really difficult time seeing what's at the shop to get or like what the idea is. Like, do we Trojan horse ourselves into their headquarters? That's interesting. This entire time, Ken and Ted have had a bunch of taint jackets in the back of the car that we could have been using to get in. Been doing all this training for nothing. Oh, I mean, that to me is is funnier is when. Yeah. Oh, that would actually be <laughs> actually pretty good. It's this whole complex theme where Ken and Ted are going to walk in whatever their Trojan horse is wearing these costumes. And then their plan is that as soon as they're inside, Tucker and Todd will exit the, the Trojan horse and then don the, some costumes. And then once they're all inside, it's like, why didn't we just wear the costumes inside in the first place or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> They had to like sneak that. in. They had to sneak in to put the costumes on, but they could have just walked in with the costumes on, sort of thing. I like that. Oh, do the do do the taint costumes involve like a face mask, sort of thing, so that the face that, like it can be a hole. They're obscured, like a mouth, like a breathing apparatus, or just any sort of. I I think, I think that it's it's just like a uniform, and and then there's gonna be like a oh maybe that should be the training montage actually is is Ken and Ted trying to train Tucker and Todd in the correct mannerisms of a taint agent so that they can fool security on their way in. Let's say that security badges in so many people that they don't remember any faces or anything. Okay. Your face won't be what matters. Your behavior will be what gives you away. So you need to learn how to act like an agent. So we show a montage of Tucker and Todd doing like extremely idiosyncratic behaviors, like like yeah. one arm is sticking out and an eye keeps twitching or something. And and they're like forced to repeat the same phrase over and over again until they get it just pitch perfect. Yeah. And then and then when they walk into the headquarters, the guy running security doesn't even fucking look up. He just tells them to wave their badge at the scanner and get in. Uh, like when Jane practiced his whole uh, bringing the the patient into the hospital speech and they didn't even want to hear it. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. I guess I did just ape that and that's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but whatever. That's what this show is. It's us aping other stuff. It's exactly that situation too. He was trained in medical jargon. Right. It's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't have time for this. Just get in there. Yeah. Who cares? Tucker and Todd. Man is dying. A, yeah, Tucker and Todd <laughs> don't even get a chance to open their mouths. In fact, maybe maybe Ken and Ted are recognized and just like the entire thing is waved in. Yeah, you and and uh, your partner's there. Oh, just do they cause? In. Just sign in. Do they do they cause an alarm? Well, I wasn't going to say an alarm, but like a moment of of awkwardness as they're waved through, but then they still insist on like pausing and, and carrying out <laughs> their whole little monologue. At a point where I, it's now awkward. I think I think we can actually fit two moments of awkwardness in. One where there is a pause where the guy looks up from his magazine and actually scrutinizes the group and there's like a tense moment. You get an uncomfortable zoom in on, on one of the one of our guys and there's a bead of sweat drops down. Yeah. And then and then the guy buzzes him in and and uh <laughs> just don't forget to sign in. 
<laughs> yeah, one of those. So, so you there's a, yeah a tense moment. There's a or he, he looks he he looks to Ken and Ted and he's like Keener, huh? Or Keener's huh? It's like something along the lines of like that. You don't need to say all that shit. I was thinking before they even had a moment to say anything. Mm. So as soon as they show up and and they're like, oh, we're here to just here to badge ourselves in. And then he looks up at the magazine, scrutinizes the entire group. Tense moment. Everybody thinks they've just been made. But then he tells them to go. All right, go ahead. Badge in. And then after they've already been given access, that's when Tucker and Todd open their stupid mouths because they're currently on autopilot and they repeat like the entire the entire lengthy phrase they've been trained to say. And that'll be when this guy raises his eyebrow and looks at them with that scrutinizing glance again, maybe even repeat the exact same tense music sting. And then you said Keeners, huh? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I like he he starts giving them the eye and rather than stopping and being nervous, they start like looking at each other and speeding up their whole monologue like they got to get through the whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they start glancing at each other nervously and sweating. Oh, sweating profusely. And just the flop sweat. (laughs) <laughs> there's they're sweating profusely a member of the janitorial staff comes by with a towel or mop, starts mopping at the floor yeah it's the airplane meme yeah let's we'll do all of them we're gonna ape every scene in this one <laughs> yeah and so Tuck, tucker and todd are so nervous that they yeah they just blurt out their entire rehearsed thing even after they've already been given yes for an answer and everybody else in the group thinks that they've now actually just We're blown screwed. it for them. Yeah. <laughs> but they get waved in again anyway. Yeah, yeah, hurry up. Fucking new guys. Employees of the month, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they walk in. Wow. I expected that to be a lot harder. <laughs> Turns out Ken and Ted are the only ones who have actually read all the safety <laughs> protocols like and the rules and everything. But Tucker and Todd come through. Good thing we practiced. <laughs> <laughs> Pat each other on the back. Yeah, they don't even know it. They don't know how weird that was. <laughs> that was all us, buddy. <laughs> Carried. <laughs> <laughs> Look at everybody else in the group. You guys are so lucky we were here. <laughs> Break their arms off, patting themselves on the back for a minute. Self congratulatory little dickheads. Everybody else is. Oh, yeah. They're still doing it for a moment, then zoom out a bit and show that everybody else in their party is actually already gone. <laughs> hey, just like shaking each other's hands like with both right hand then left hand well played chum <laughs> yes old boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right uh, and then with the sake secret handshakes that involve even a foot shake or something just and then zoom weird. out everybody else is gone hey wait for us <laughs> bolt after them and then we get to do some of the spy hallway scenes do 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 everybody tiptoes in a line towards a door frame Oh, yeah, very good. Nobody and and they they keep doing it even after like people in the hallway passing by. Hey, Ken, <laughs> just sneaking. Yeah, I mean, they're already past the security checkpoints, so nobody's given them a second glance. But the the several people in the crew, at least, are still doing their sneaking. Nobody knows we're here or because it's taints or people assuming that they're just practicing. Ah, I, yes. I actually the think record, I, see. I think that's really funny. There's still people still think they're a bunch of keeners. Employee yeah. of the month. It's the same. <laughs> <joke>. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good that's sneak the there. <laughs> yeah, that guy's going to get a gold star. 
Well, I mean, even in uh, Monsters Inc., that when they shout things in the the background, going for the scream scare record or whatever. Ah, going for the sneak record. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Tucker and Todd get a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do end up on the employees of the month award wall. That's funny. Oh, that's how this should end, actually. Yeah. <laughs> They're still going to break that out, but yeah, they end up. Why can't you be more like these guys? <laughs> making me laugh. Employee number 77 and 78. Nobody has a name in this organization. They all just have numbers. Yeah. Except for Ken and Ted, I guess. Agent K, Agent T. I mean, we're already big time ape and men in black with this. Yeah. Might as well. Agent O and Agent K. They're okay. Uh, they're okie dokie. I think that's that's their correction. Uh, we're okie dokie. Okay and okay. All right. So they aren't stopped by anyone. People stop to comment, though, that uh, they're, somebody's aiming for the sneak record. Since they've already passed the security checkpoint, they're, they have free full access to the rest of this building. Oh, and of course, they got here by the car. The car is allowed into the parking lot. They still have their parking spot. All of that. Ken and Ted haven't had any of their security privileges revoked. Turns out nobody knows they're an open rebellion yet because they're so polite that they probably submitted like a, a notice in the mail and it just hasn't got in yet. Oh, I like the idea is as the car drops them off, she says like, bye, hon. And they're like, oh, we're a bad influence on her. Craig stays with the car. Oh, I'm trying to think. I was going to try to think of Does she start try to play? She starts. What's your favorite podcast? <laughs> <laughs> the one he made himself when he turned evil. In the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that everybody's walking away and Craig is about to get out, but she locks the doors. Oh, yeah. That's actually the way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Gulp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Same wavelength. And then everybody else walks away and he just watches them go. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, they're, they're in the main lobby. They get through security, Keeners, employees of the month. It probably will not take them long before they find an interactive map kiosk that includes a prisoner interrogation. You are here. Prisoner interrogation is there. Now, is dad actually um, in being, because uh, I feel it, in my mind, the moment you started saying that, like, they're going to walk in on him and he's kind of like holding court, like he's there, but he's sort of roaming free doing his own thing. Is he that um, empowered that he could be in a state of like, magoo not, is it sort of magooing his way into freedom? Like he's sort of got the run of the place. Everybody's like hanging on his words. I, I do like that. I'm going to meet you halfway. What if... They he is in an interrogation room, but Tucker and Todd and the gang walk in and dad is telling like a dad story and the guys interrogating him are laughing and slapping their knees. Yeah, like he's got his feet up on the table, hands yeah. behind his back kind of thing. He's got a he's got like a Pepsi or something. <laughs> the handcuffs are undone on the table. Yeah. And he's just charming dadding his way through this interrogation and they let him walk out. <laughs> We're here for the prisoner. Oh, it sounds like we're done here, buddy. Thanks. Oh, man. Or is, oh, he, so you. Far, is he so far ahead that he can do sort of like a, a flick of his nose and a wink at them? And kind of like a shh, don't say anything. 
as he throws the handcuffs on the chortling officers. And oh, I like that. I like that. It's just one of the goddamn one of those illusionist movies. Yeah. Which one is it? Christ, Christian Bale slips the that. Uh, yeah, the prestige. He slips the manacle on the guard. Yeah. Yeah. One of those maneuvers. He uh, it's it's when they both stop to shake his hand on his way out. They're handcuffed to each other and the chair that they're they're on. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great guy. Chink, chink. Oh, yeah. Like he pats oh. them on the back and then they <laughs> pat him on the back and then he kind of ducks under them and they are both handcuffed to each other or something like that. Yeah, I like that. So. So, yeah, he finishes telling the story. These uh, the gang walks in. Ken and Ted say we're we're oh, we're here for the prisoner exchange or we're here to take the prisoner back to holding uh, to a different interrogation room, whatever. It doesn't matter. And and both of these guys are so thoroughly charmed by dad that they just wish him farewell. They shake hands, pat each other on the back. They are now they're now his handcuffs have mysteriously disappeared from the table. And it's not until after they leave the room and close the door, which also locks from the outside. Of course. Before it's revealed that those those two guys are now they've been bamboozled. They're now handcuffed to each other on the end the table or something. Haha. Oh, what a great guy. Oh, and, and then they're stuck and then they're do they're they're doing the sneak thing again to get back out. <laughs> it makes them look like they belong there. With the uh Mission Impossible music. Is it Mission Impossible? I think it's even funnier if just like one of the boys is making the music with his mouth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we still have to get the. No, both uh, of them. They should be doing like one is beatboxing, oh, the other is doing a boom, boom, boom. They are full on acapella <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've they're in sync enough to do it. They've got that level of synchronicity. What about the monkey and the hurdy gurdy? Are they going to turn out to be impossible to extract? Right when, now, when... right now, this mission is actually going too well. Well, yeah. When the moment you said, "What about the monkey and the hurdy gurdy?" I was imagining everybody. Um, sneaking beatboxing routine and all of a sudden a window <laughs> is smashed and the 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 monkey comes running out pulling the hurdy-gurdy behind it i don't know <laughs> and then he yells at them we gotta go alarm. <laughs> yeah. containment breach <laughs> red light star flashing ken ted dad are like all right we gotta go does dad say something like curse that monkey or something like that <laughs> curse that monkey <laughs> I like, or like that, this, this was really not the plan or something like that. I don't know. You were oh. supposed to wait for the signal. <laughs> Stupid monkey. The monkey had a plan. I, I like that, though. The idea that we get there. Dad was already kind of on his way to getting out. He never needed us at all. This was all for nothing. Yeah, he's a pretty capable guy. <laughs> if we hadn't showed up, he might even have been able to get the monkey and the hurdy gurdy out. But yeah, I think the I think the monkey and the hurdy gurdy are running amok. They're not coming with us. That could even be a line where Tucker and Tyler are like, "Sorry, Dad, it seems like you totally had that handled." And he's like, "Not to worry, boys. That was much more entertaining." I like that. He's I always like, down for a bit of an adventure. It's smashing. <clears throat> that was a smashing good time. Yeah, and and he's got to have the the sort of Nigel energy where he's almost unfazable. Yeah. So every he's just always an optimist about things. Not I, to, like, I like the way you said that. Not to worry, boys. This yeah. was much more entertaining. That was a lot more fun. I was almost out of stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. Dad's not even close to being out of stories. He's got a million. 
He's like Raymond Reddington. He's always got a fucking story about uh, this one time I spent two weeks locked in a shipping container on a cruise ship uh, <laughs> out in the Bahamas while I was selling guns to the Taliban. <laughs> Taliban makes me laugh. I don't know why. I think Ray- Raymond Reddington has sold guns to everybody and has lived in every shipping container. Oh, um, what was I? Oh, I was watching a review of Aragon. It is crazy that they have both Jeremy Irons and Malkovich in that film. Do you know that it was based on a book written by a 15-year-old? No, I didn't. That's new. It was just the, oh, that, that, they, that, the part that it was based on a, a child's story. Well, not, it not, was, a, not a child's book, a child's story. Yeah. Um, I think it was just Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings movies had uh, just been doing so well that film studios were just like we need fantasy <laughs> and they were just buying up every property they could oh, wow yeah did you ever see that one uh i'm familiar with aragon but i didn't watch it my brother and i played or a lot if, of the ps2 game <laughs> if i if i have seen it it was a eons it ago i mean that was a 2006 with, movie yeah it blurred in with uh dragon yeah. Remember Dragonheart? <laughs> I remember a lot of weird member berries about Dragonheart, and I don't know if any of them actually are Dragonheart. Some of them might be Aragon. I know Dragonheart had one amazing piece of music. Amazing piece of what? Music. Oh. Um, I think I think it... that was before I appreciated music. Maybe. Which piece was impressive and great? Oh, it was part of the, I don't know, main score or main theme or whatever. When the, when the, the, the title theme, there's a really moving piece of music. I used to find that I used to find the violin sections very moving as a child. Dinosaur. Do you remember Dinosaur with Aladar? That had a particularly moving piece of violin music in it. Man, I watched every dinosaur, everything with dinosaurs in it. Dinosaurs are awesome. And we I'm pretty do, sure that's the only reason I, I think I think you're right. I don't think have we ever visited dinosaurs? We've done a lot of time stuff and I don't think we've ever visited dinosaurs. We should no, figure out. Uh the last time we did real time travel was with Plato. We went back in time and accidentally started a possum civilization. Have we ever done a Jurassic Park? Have we done a DNA frozen in No. Hmm. Okay, that might be worth coming back to someday. Uh How should did you we... get all these? Dinosaurs. Did you splice a bunch of existing DNA harvested from, you know, petrified amber and stuff? No, that would be way too hard. We actually <laughs> went back in time and just got some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds so much easier. Sorry, That's guys. interesting. We did. Oh, we have. We had. Oh, we had. I know. We who did we have going back in time to get? Was it? Vilecom that was stealing fantasy creatures out oh, of there. Yeah, they weren't going back in time, but they did yeah, they, they did open up a, a pocket dimension to steal a bunch of fantasy creatures for BS Prowling's newest production. What if Dawn brought dinosaurs back from another dimension? That is just like her, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then just <laughs> as everybody was getting attached to them, she wiped them all out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. She she summons a bunch of dinosaurs, and then at first they're doing a bunch of dinosaur shit, but eventually they start to befriend humanity, and she's like, well, this isn't exciting anymore, and sends them, gets rid of them all. The dinosaurs build the pyramids or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
They're an advanced species. This isn't right. This isn't what was supposed to happen. <laughs> or I don't know. Maybe that they are an advanced species and the humans kill them off because they're jealous. They have really big penises. And so the humans kill them <laughs> off. There's a human man and a dinosaur and they're both in the urinal together. And the <laughs> human man just happens to look over. <laughs> it starts there. It's like there's like a man and his wife, and she's doing it. So tell me about your friend from work, Harold, and like Harold or whatever. Oh my god! I don't know if that's funny or just incredibly stupid. <laughs> it was making me laugh. Um, wife trying to convince her husband to get into swinging. Should we do? stuff with dad or should we try to squeeze in some of this uh jeff and don stuff we should we should go and play with jeff and don um immediately i want to do uh who's on first thing with paw and like paw papa paw and the paw for the monkey paw Uh, um we don't need to write it right now but i feel like that is uh at some point uh, particularly after Don and Jeff realize who each other are. Mm-hmm. Room for I need my paw. <laughs> I, I am your paw. You just told me to go away. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. Is this we're... how we're going to start off this relationship? <laughs> Is that what we're going to do today? We're going to fight. Is this how we're going to start this out? Uh, <laughs> semantics. <laughs> um, they are in the ruins of. They're in Georgia, right? A place that we decided is called Georgia. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the ruins of the devil sent on to Georgia. And in fact, that might be what causes uh, Basil Bub and Don to to recognize each other. Because if Don recognizes some of these landmarks, Basil Bub will know nobody should nobody alive should know what any of this stuff is. Sorry, where are they? The restricted area in hell here is a piece of of the ancient civilization of the Nephilim. Okay. The the pre-civilization humans, pre prehistory humans and angels living together. They created their super society. This is a an existing piece of it that's been almost preserved in So hell. so it looks like the area that Dawn was in when she was pushed through the portal the first time was that part of the same era? I'm just trying to make sure. Yes, I... it's part of the same era. Okay, that, so uh, that that stone she found in the tree that we spoke about comes from here. Okay, so does she recognize that like architecture or whatever? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because if if she says if she knows the way and she starts mentioning how she recognizes something, I remember that or some some kind of passing comment could be exactly what starts making Basil Bub suspicious. Does oh oh here that's interesting. Does she does she know that he knows what this place is, or would she start describing it to him as though it's a stranger and she's doing that like she's explaining to him this this is the stuff of like my ancestors or like she's describing it to him as though it is new to him. She doesn't know that he knows what it is. Yeah. I think I think it could be fairly well established <clears throat> via comments made about the restricted section that nobody knows what's in there nobody goes there and she could assume since 
Basil Bub was working in records that he's not the devil and doesn't happen to know everything in hell. Yeah. So she could absolutely assume that he doesn't know anything about this area or anything about this architecture, where it comes from. So, yeah, I think she would she would talk about it. Maybe we maybe we can even sort of imply in the dialogue when when they're first discussing when she's first bringing up that she wants to go there and he and whoever he's with I can't remember who was it uh Fieri he was with Fieri yeah when when they're first kind of like ex, like d- explaining what the place is he can say something along the lines of like what you're saying nobody goes there she can infer from the way that he says it that he's afraid of that place that that's not true. But we can kind of we can kind of spin it so that it seems as though she's under the impression that he's afraid of the mystery of that place. But it's not so much that he's afraid of the mystery as that like like he, he's familiar with it or something. He doesn't want to go. Does he want to go there? He does not. Right. It would it would kind of be like going to a, uh, your ex-wife's favorite restaurant, you know? Yeah. The place where you had lots of dates with her. It's an uncomfortable memory. That's probably why it's restricted and nobody's allowed in it. So, yeah, because she doesn't know him, he can be sort of like dreading. He can be sort of, yeah, emotionally yeah, he dreading, probably, but she he probably perceives it talks as fear. He probably talks about it with a level of dread. Like, you don't, you don't want to go there. Nobody wants to go there. Whatever you're looking for, forget it. Turn around, go home, forget about it. No, no good can come from going there. There's nothing. And she's sort of like, I have nothing. This is this is my quest. <laughs> but I must. <laughs> I didn't come all this way. These thousands of years. Is that when his ears first perk up? Would she go into a tirade like that? Or would she just you're helping me right now? I want it now. Oh, that that's kind of funny. She she she's she uses the 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 me uh, in public strategy of not allowing anybody to say no, just insisting. <laughs> no, yeah, you're taking yeah. me. No, you're taking me. We're you're going. Me. We're, We're going. going now. Thank you. We're going. Thank you for taking me. We are going. If she says it enough times, she's like, "We're going." Oh, and and also because Fieri starts back into his uh, Flavor Town story. Do we do it that way or do we do one of those? I want to steal somebody else's like editing style of he says no several times and cut to they're on their way. I like that. Just it doesn't show how she convinced him. It's just it's assumed it's implied after, that she yeah, went after, on after a dozen no's. It's just implied that, yeah, eventually there one no too many. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, never. No, no. There they are driving. Yeah. I think that's great. That's perfect. That'll be how what how they get to Mike and and they go through the toll booth and now they're <laughs> I forgot. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> we had a good thing going, and now they're now they're in this restricted area. Probably they've probably been in there. Let's say they've been walking for almost an entire day. I think maybe they should make a camp. We can we can't go any further. It's time time to you know have a rest. Is this place sort of? Do you know the dwarven ruins in Skyrim? I do. Like the deep, 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 gigantic, deep areas? I do. Is that sort of what this area looks like? But it's also further like covered in like vines and stuff? I think we haven't discussed enough of the nature of Hell's general architecture, but I think it's implied that it's a cavern. 
So yeah, it would be a lot like that sort of cavernous undercity, that great big cave yeah. that connects all of those different Dwemer ruins. With all the glowy, mushroomy... But I also want it to be a little bit more claustrophobic than that, like more buildings. Okay. More, 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 uh, more dark, dark souls. <laughs> yeah. More, more, um, more narrow alleyways, more ruined city kind of thing, but like urban. Atrath. I'm sorry. I'm stuck in Outland. I'm thinking almost Silent Hillish, like it, uh, with the fog. Well, what Shatrath should have been if they had better, more claustrophobic, accurate city design. <laughs> yeah, if they build stuff, if they built stuff to scale. Yeah, if they built stuff then, like they build it now. Even then, they still don't build stuff to scale. Now, the most impressive city they've ever made was probably—I've already forgotten the name of it—and I used to speak it all the time. That would be where the Nightborn live. The Carabor, Nightborn. That is Legion. Oh, the, the, the fancy Suramar. Yes, Suramar. Yeah, that was probably the most impressive city they've ever made. And even that was Big not spread out thing. not to scale. I know people with backyards bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. A anywho, uh, I want a mixture of like open pavilions and narrow sort of alleyways. Lots of lots of places where, you know, things could lurk in ambush. I don't want the place to seem open and safe. Right. But I also want it to seem like there are lots of places where uh, Basil Bub and Dawn could hide if they had to. So, you know, broken down buildings, empty, bro either broken windows or just like empty window frames, dust, gloom, cracked buildings. And of course, yes, as you said, vines, uh, you know, vegetation starting to overtake a lot of the place. Yeah. Foliage. <laughs> yeah. And even then, it's still in remarkable shape for how old it is. They don't make buildings like they used to, let me tell you. No. But I think they should stop and camp, which is an opportunity for them to be stuck in one spot for a little while and to talk to each other. So Basil Bubble ask her what she's actually looking for. And I think mm. I think he might have to press her a little bit because she's not gonna want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm trying to how how would they even initiate conversation? I think they're going to start getting tired or something. Let's say that even though these are technically two kind of super beings, whatever's going on in this part of the of the of hell shuts off their powers or weakens them. It's draining. It makes them tired. Does she have does she have the snidlings? Does she have any companions with her? She is totally alone. OK, she I has was no try one with her but Basil Bub. <laughs> so maybe something that I'm trying to think something that could initiate a conversation is like a shared frustration or like shared um like uh what's it called uh reflecting over something that they are both angry about or both dislike um in this camp are they eating I think I think maybe they build a little fire and I think it would also be kind of funny if Basil Bub had like a a packed sort of rations or lunch or something made by fieri it's the only thing he's good for one thing roll out a bag of chicken wings or something <laughs> <That's gonna run. laughs> um you said you said no powers so he can't like make a fire by he's the devil he made fire 
Yeah, I think I think they're whatever mojo they would have, especially because he's been demoted and your your power mm. in hell is kind of dependent on your actual rank in the hierarchy. Right. Which is why Fury isn't very powerful anymore either. All he can do is make chicken wings now. But I think something about this place should be kind of draining on them. So they do get tired enough that they do have to make camp. Does she have some sort of keepsake on her that he might recognize and sort of like catch his breath or like choke back sort of like some recognition and then ask sort of like a cagey question about her past? He starts getting a suspicion of it. It could be that little cornerstone. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. During during a, a contemplative moment while they're sitting huddled near a fire in, in one of these tight alleyways somewhere, the closest thing to cover that they could find, maybe they're even inside of one of the buildings. Yeah. She can be sitting in her own corner, and maybe she pulls that thing out and, and kind of rubs her thumb over it. Because she's only just gotten it back after it's been in Jackie's... Assume, I guess Jackie put it in the tree at some point, but it's been with Jackie for a long time. She hasn't seen it in a long time. And she didn't really take a moment to, you know, just look at it, hold it in her hands, stare at it. She kind of, when she picked it up the first time, she stared at it and then had a, a flash of memories and thoughts and then she was off. Mm -hmm. But now she has a moment to actually sit and contemplate and look at this thing and be seen looking at this thing, rubbing her thumb over it. And that's an opportunity for Basilbub to look over, for the camera to focus on it, and to what? What zoom does it in. look? What does it look like in your mind? To me, it looks like a a piece of flagstone from a road, like a small piece, something that you could hold in the palm of your hand. It's probably been rubbed smooth from lots of handling. So Maybe at this point, it doesn't it doesn't have any like writing or graphic on it. I think I think it probably should either carving or really suspiciously long lasting like children's chalk drawing okay so that that would that would be a good sort of like to have her either holding it in one hand and tracing whatever that shape is or yeah, exactly to be holding it in two and rubbing her thumbs over it and yeah, yeah that that draws attention yeah exactly she uh, starts looking at it during a moment of of silence I'm going to assume he tries to talk to her and she will brush it off and he'll be like, all right, fine. Just goes quiet. And then she pulls out her stone and starts handling it. And he'll notice that. And that'll probably be when he can't stay quiet. Now, yeah, it's, been a, it's been a long time since he's seen that thing, too. And it might not be exactly as he remembers it, but it will jog a memory or two and be suspicious. And that, along with her sort of knowledge of the architecture and the way things are made and i recognize this place very suspicious i'm trying to think of what like what what is a question since she has already kind of like brushed him off what is a question he could answer that she would actually be responsive to where'd you get that <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> hey where'd you get that have you ever been to a place that is associated with somewhere near where she could have found I, I think you... I think yeah, just where'd you find that? Where'd, really, you, where'd just, you get that? I found it. Really just go straight for it and just dive in. Draw attention to it. Yeah, I um well that's a neat little trinket. Where'd you get that? Instead of instead of seeming suspicious, he would try to seem just curious. Oh, that's actually interesting. If maybe up until now everything he said has actually sounded sort of like distant and detached. 
but this is the first time he has his breath is sort of like drawn back and he has like he sounds sincere as he asks where did you find that and she is sort of like that draws her attention to like that's the first time instead of her brushing him off has he been brushing her off this whole time and this will be yeah this is what brings him in yeah i guess between the two of them at this point she would be the more friendly and outgoing she seems like maybe she's been might have been actually talking this entire time it's it's the donkey and shrek story (laughs) and he's like could you just be quiet (laughs) that's kind of funny yeah because she's yeah because she's not a teenager anymore she's not petulant she's she's a chaos god who would actually be quite yeah gregarious um, yeah i like that idea she's yeah okay yeah she's not annoying but she is outgoing yeah she's outgoing she's annoying to him i uh yeah she's (laughs) annoying His patience is like all that's left of it is one thread because he's recently demoted. He's still, you know, grieving over Dawn because he lost her again. He doesn't know she's right next to him. So he's got a lot on his shoulders. So, yeah, if on a good day, he might find her a delightful company today. He hates it. She talks too much. She's too she she's too vapid and frivolous. Too interested yeah, he, in just he just burnt out. Yeah. So I yeah, I think I think there'll be like a little Shrek outburst for five minutes. <laughs> and that's when she can kind of geez, fine. And then maybe you need a nap. I mean, he's like, maybe I'm I definitely. do need a nap. <laughs> Let's make camp. And then and then, yeah, she'll. Uh, where did you learn to do that after he makes a fire or something? He 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 does have a couple of interesting survival necks. Mm hmm. He can't use powers or anything, but he can make a fire. Where'd you learn to do that? He brushes it off. That'll be when she stops talking to him. And then she shuffles back. And and since she's feeling quite alone because her her traveling companion isn't interested in, uh, you know, engaging with her, that'll be when she pulls out her little stone for comfort and, and something to occupy her mind with. And that'll get his attention. That's a neat little trinket. Where did you find that? Is she at first? She's like, "Oh, now you want to talk?" Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. That's that's her natural first reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why don't you be quiet for five minutes? (laughs) (laughs) She, she, I mean, she's not, she's not completely over her petulance. She, she just like purses her lips and points to her watch. (laughs) Five minutes left. I think it would be really funny if it's like a an Abaddon watch. Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> very similar to the one that basil bub left in heaven he raises his eyebrows everybody's got one um but yeah that's a neat little thing where did you get that Ooh, now you want to talk maybe you should be quiet for five minutes petulant does nah, he sort of i think uh, i think he'll just kind of be genuine about it and she'll stare at him for a beat be tempted to brush him off like he did her but she can't help it she wants to talk she's like oh i found it like soften and sort of apologize Look, you're right. Uh, what's it called? Mia culpa. Basil Bub will have to do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I found it. What's it to you? Hey, all right, Mia culpa. Yeah, all right, fine. You ask me anything. He he. It's and it it's a provi- he provides an exchange. Then he he tells her how he learned how to you know do the whatever method he used to build the fire. And he's like, now will you tell me where you found that? Or does does as she says she says well what's it to you he actually gives her a little bit of an explanation of the first time he saw one or saw the place that 
was the origin of that thing or whatever. I wait, I, wait. I wanted I wanted him to get into that, but I wanted him to a little bit share, more. Yeah, I wanted him to share a bit a bit a little bit more before he starts suggesting that he has concrete knowledge of that thing and where it comes from. Did he learn his how to make a fire when he first uh, was sent to Earth? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He's, you know, it was a very, very long time ago. I, uh, before, before there were people living in anything more than huts, we didn't have stoves and ovens. Or does he we say it? He, he, he says technically it was before the dawn of time. And she kind of like cocks her head and she's like, why did you say it? Like, and he's like, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Freudian slip. Why did you say it like that? <laughs> um but yeah uh, uh he'll share his information then he asks her where she found that she'll say well i found it when i was a child at such and such uh, it was a place nearby to where i lived i used to go there and and you know play with my father with my parents i would go there explore you know standard childhood memory and then that'll be kind of what That'll be the third thing. That's how he knows now. The real question is, if he knows now that he's dealing with Dawn, is he going to tell her who he is? I just need to reaffirm the origin and uh, order. What's the, I guess, the chain of whatever. Events of the cornerstone? Yeah, the cornerstone. Yeah, that's what it is. It's where it started. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, in the place where they lived it, when she was a child? Yeah, she found it during some exploring as a child. It was and a little took it I'm home? gonna I'm gonna assume that she was actually out on a walk with her family, something like that. You know, back then it was safe to just take your kids out and go for a walk places. Right. Nobody in was this being Nephilim shot. home place. Yeah, nobody was being shot. Right. And there are buildings that are older than others. So I'm going to assume that rather than take something from a building that people are living in, it was maybe like an old kind of broken down stone cathedral structure or something. Yeah. Or she took it. It used to be a flagstone in a road, but that that was no longer used because they had invented super pavement. Whatever it was, it's a piece of what she considered ancient history like she thought it was a like an artifact to her right okay okay yeah that seems like the kind of cool thing that a child would want to keep and did she have it with her when she went through the portal to the outside yes okay so she kept it with her through her whole childhood and yeah, then she would have what during during whatever calamity was going on i'm gonna assume that she has a bag of treasures and then it came into the possession of jackie when they were best friends yeah she gave it to jackie as a gift and then when jackie would not give her her monkey paw she burned down their sacred place and took this which was kept there yes okay good i just wanted to make sure i tracked everything you have you is. have got it all okay so she she has basically reclaimed that nugget of their friendship in the de de the destruction of that tree that was their their special place their the the physical representation of their bond it's gone yeah and she takes this from the ashes this cornerstone that she had as a child full of cool mojo one of the reasons why it was a really good gift yeah but yeah now basil bub's gears are turning let's say that don describes 
the seam in which she found it with her family while they were exploring an older piece of their their city or town. Does she sort of like exasperatedly kind of begrudgingly tell the story like kind of like it was a place I used to go, me and my family. Yeah, it's probably because a, a lot of those memories were probably kind of buried a bit. But now it was that special she's got, ones. Now, yeah, now that she's got this thing in her, her hands, it's probably clear. It was special ones. I don't know. Maybe it's not special now, but I want it to be. I don't know how nostalgia like, works. I'm trying. I like I like that. I don't know. I like that sort of waffling. That's very human. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's I guess it's stupid. That kind of thing. No, no. Keep keep telling me the story. And I think she can we can, you know, have have a memory scene where we can actually see it happening as she's describing it in a voiceover. Yeah. Just finds it. It was it, I found it. It was it was the oldest thing I had ever seen. When I was a child, I thought it was a historical artifact. It was older than me and that I think it was older than my father. Of course it wasn't, but she thought it was. Is but that was cool editorial that she that she can even add? She, yeah, of course it wasn't, but I was a kid. I thought it was. Yeah. Of course, she realizes now. Yeah, it it was just a rock. But uh, when I was little, I thought it was the it was the coolest thing I had ever found. Does she look up and make eye contact? And he's got a tear at that point. Is the, does he know now? Is he rolling one? Oh, I think maybe instead of a tear, is that too fast? Maybe a lip quiver. You know the lip quiver. Yeah, he's trying real hard to hold it in because. He is now 99% sure that he's talking to Don, but I I really am unsure of whether he would reveal himself. Yeah, and I'm not sure how fast we want to pace this. But but I do think they finish their story time and then Basilbub is like, uh, it's time it's time for everybody to go to bed. Is she sort I, of caught I, unaware by that? Oh. Like I thought, oh. I thought we were having a sentimental story moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he goes back into shutdown mode. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's natural. Yeah, yeah. like this is overwhelming. She has no idea, so I guess she'll roll over, and then the camera can like pan down to where he is lying there, facing the camera with his eyes wide open. And now that we say that, I actually like the idea of building up some tension of this a little bit. A will they won't they thing and then some a character spoils it before he can reveal to her in like a moment somebody's like well because basil bubs your dad or like something like just like casually offhanded i think that i think they can meet somebody in this area of hell and that somebody calls him by his name does she know his name does she know her father by his name yeah i think so okay, okay, okay. i th- i think so i mean what did her mother call him? Hey, you. Yes, you. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the bedroom. Don never heard that. No. As far as Don knew, nobody called him Daddy but her. <laughs> A- Abba Daddy. Da- that, Daddy fuck, Don. That derailed me now. I'm just thinking of Don's mom. <laughs> no, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. Little Lilith. Yeah. <sighs> All right, so we've we've now we've established that uh, who Don is not only to the audience but to Basilbub, but that was a that was sort of an important developmental bit of Don. Yeah, Basilbub is just I don't know what he thinks 
he probably doesn't know what to think or what to believe. Like, is it possible? Could it be? Or am I just, I mean, this is hell. So yeah, they do. They, it's that thing where they both go to bed. We can maybe even do a split screen where they're both like laying on their side back to back. Not close, but I mean, yeah, on opposite sides of their, on opposite sides of the low smoldering fire. Yeah. It's getting dark. The only thing that's really lit, lit up is their eyes. Yeah. Both staring off into the distance, pondering, reflecting. Yeah. On what just happened. And then we can bookend by jumping to Milo doing something. Milo in the present. Oh, yeah. I'd love to talk to Milo. Yeah. We decided that we could end with him being brought out of retirement. Oh, so, OK. So we, we bookend with Milo in the past being brought out of retirement. Milo in the present being brought out of retirement. Oh, oh he's right. Retirement has been. OK, OK. okay I get it. I yeah, get it. Uh, once Don was trapped in the WAP and all that, he retired because 99.9% of his job was just cleaning up after her. Yeah. And then once she was gone, he finished the other 0.1% and then called it good. So he went into retirement. The alphanumeric order was basically running itself. Uh, she's back as an active player on the field. So Milo needs to be called out of retirement. Did we already show what he was doing in retirement or discuss no. that? I think we said retirement tropes. Yeah, we we He's did not. But I did say stuff. I would like to yeah check out some retirement tropes. Like what one one of the retirement tropes that I think about is um you know the the retired professional kind of like the Liam Neeson character who he basically does nothing. Like his his career wound up being so all consuming that he estranged his family, his friends. And once he's retired, he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's got almost nobody. Yeah. The retired professional who's made his career his identity. Now the career's gone. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck? I don't even remember who the fuck Liam Neeson was in his. Nothing in his, he was still in in uh, him. He was still kind of buddies with his spy friends. They were having a barbecue. Oh, yeah. they. Oh, did they do private security stuff, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So I have to, and, and they still had access to lots of secu- uh, intelligence stuff. So I have to assume that they're just working security on the side while still being active members of the intelligence community. So does Milo is, My, is Milo like a volunteer tour guide for some other? Oh, he works in like a museum or something. Yeah, like that? is he working in a museum or is he a librarian or something? Like he's yeah, he's retired, but he can't let it go. So he's still in information and education somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Or or is this where we ape Indiana Jones, where he's giving a lecture and somebody's got "I love you" painted on their eyelids, and he gets called away to adventure? He's like, "Thank fuck." I'm trying to, yeah. Because that's what happened in, in Raiders. He was given a lecture and then suddenly called to adventures. Like, yeah, I'm out of here. Thank goodness. I, I was, I, I was like just that. about to get arrested. <laughs> I mean, she was an adult. You I really just, helped me dodge I was, a bullet. Yeah. I was just about to get fired and lose my tenure. It was a college. She was of age, but it was still wildly inappropriate. She belongs in a museum. <laughs> oh, oh, I Milo <laughs> needs to say that. <laughs> maybe he needs to say it about dawn yeah or his device or something like that i don't know it'll, it'll have to come up at some point but that's interesting milo yeah. as my M- milo anna jones yeah uh like maybe he's given a lecture still kind of mousy still kind of logical soft-spoken i mean he all oh, right because he's we based him on isn't milo in no he's not a professor he's a researcher 
Yeah, he's a researcher, but yeah, oh. he's he's very enthusiastic. He's quick talking. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't call him I guess he is kind of awkward, but I would not call him uh really shy. He smiles and he talks with enthusiasm when it's a subject that he's interested in. But I do think that uh, our Milo is a little bit less gregarious. He's a little bit less of a smiler. He's still based on an artificial life form, and I think he still thinks logically rather than emotionally. Okay, more of a Spock. Yeah, detached. But I do think he should be given a lecture, and maybe somebody has something painted on their eyelids, but maybe it's something else entirely so that we can poke a reference to it, but then also subvert it. I, I also just was reminded of uh, Father from... Oh, I'm forgetting what it's called. Oh. That AI in... Fuck, what were they called? With Something with wolves? Raised by wolves? Oh, raised, raised by, wolves. by wolves. Yeah, Father. The the uh, sort of sort of effectual um, AI. Sort of detached, but... Yeah. Bearing. Kind of the... the... Almost like a simulated emotional responses. Yeah. Not My quite genuine. Not quite genuine, that... but it's not like no effort is made. Yeah. I think I think that's how he could be. I mean, he's flesh and blood, but he's still kind of a machine. Yeah. Not um... not Bert Kreischer. <laughs> although <laughs> no, they can <laughs> they can meet at some point and be like, I am the machine. That's funny to have like a I'm Spartacus moment with all the machines. Yeah. And then I don't know. I am robot. <laughs> pull pull Bert's reactor out or something. Oh, cause that's funny because he's just a machine. Yeah, because he actually is one. Whoa, shit! I guess he was a machine. <laughs> Somebody in the crowd. The joke is on us. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. We've already done that one though. God computer did that to Basil Bub. Okay, um, so Milo gives his lecture. We. We ape Indiana Jones a little bit, but hurry him out of there. Bell rings. He's like, you know, he says something pithy. Does Is it Marcus that rings him? Oh, I like that. I'm busy, gets, Marcus. Gets called <laughs> into a kind of a meeting. Maybe somebody else at the school knows what he's, he used to do. Whatever the case is, maybe somebody who works at the school is a member of the Alphanumeric Order. But he, oh, so he do needs we to ape be that contacted. scene with the blackboard? Yeah. Where they're conscripting him, giving Top the speech to Hitler and the occult. Yeah. Top men. <laughs> We've been working our way up to this since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we really We've have. been saying top men since day one. <laughs> <laughs> Might be our first joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's in our top ten for sure. Yeah. Okay, we finally get to do it. Yeah, blackboard moment. Somebody somebody is informing Milo that she's back. And he has to go after her. We need you, sir. Only you. You're tailor-made. You're literally made for this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he'll say, like, because uh, some, somebody was left in charge in his absence, so he'll say, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so can handle it. Uh, don't, it'll be fine. I'm, I'm afraid not, sir. She's already got one of the paws, you know. That's when he drops his, like, egg in a cup or whatever. <laughs> his teacup or whatever. <laughs> Oh, nice. Good God. She's well on her way to the next. What? She's with her father. Dear. He's God. already got his coat on as he's like, a, okay, I'm after her. All right, I'm going. Oh, Say is, less. He, is, he already, <laughs> yeah, is he already like convinced, but they're still adding additional things to the list of reasons to try to convince him? They can't take yes for an answer. They need to keep talking. Oh, We've and then, yeah, he's getting a, I said yes. <laughs> 
but we prepared this large list of reasons. You started with the most important ones. Why are we working our way down? This is not what I trained you to do. Jenkins has a PowerPoint. Jenkins is coming and he's all <laughs> excited like that. to get his laptop open. I like that. Jenkins rushes in with like a, a slide projector. <laughs> yeah. Not even a PowerPoint. He's got an old fashioned slide projector. But he's all, but Milo's already gone. Forget it, Jen- Jenkins like stomps on his hat. <laughs> I, I like that. That's really funny. Because this is this is almost aping back to Tucker and Todd having to spit out their entire training session. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell these guys practiced this and they really wanted to get it all out. This but, was, yeah, uh, this was a big move for their career. <laughs> Mil- Milo's convinced immediately and he's leaving. And then yet yeah, Jenkins comes in with the slide projector. What? What? Forget it, Jenkins. He's gone. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he comes over to Pat Jenkins on the back. He didn't even look at my Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all put out. He 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 he's like, I was gonna flip over the blackboard and everything. He flips <laughs> it over and there's cards. a there's a huge diagram on the blackboard. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the swivel boards, so yeah. he's like, I didn't even get the chance to show him. Oh, oh Pete. You know the, the yeah, okay. It can end on these two guys commiserating. Milo's gone. Milo's already on his way. That's the I think that's the funniest place we can leave it is with these two guys showing their elaborate plan to convince Milo to come out of retirement. I, I'm trying to think of like an additional guy to rush in and be like, nah, forget it, Francis. <laughs> he's like, he's got a cake that says he, welcome he was, back. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, the whole like her party run. Yeah. It's like he's gone, guys. Pack it up. There, it's it's like the opposite of a retirement party, and a, a whole bunch of people come in with the cake. Welcome back, streamers come down from the ceiling. Forget yeah, their it. Shoulders all sink. <laughs> uh, who's gonna pay for this? Catering arrives. Yeah, I was trying. Oh, to think maybe it should end on a high point though. Like, there's a. What are we gonna do with all this food and alcohol? Everybody looks at each other. There's a beat, and then it just transitions to them having their own party. They have their own party. Everybody's got a hat, a party hat on. Everybody's got a slice of the cake. Music's done. On. And, and they're all patting each other on the back about how great their presentation was. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they everybody sits down and Jenkins gets to show them the presentation. Oh, yeah. And... <laughs> they clap. They clap. <laughs> they clap. They, they, he crowd surfs. They carry him out. <laughs> 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 He's got cake all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah Jenkins Jenkins Jen- <laughs> <laughs> uh, is their fucking hero oh yeah i think the credits can just play over it as they party oh no the credit the credits play over it's like it uh it's the music from uh there's slides yeah it slides and it's the true story the uh, the what happened after jenkins (laughs) went on to be like that does the and then yeah carmichael was the father of etc etc i like that the where are they now kind of thing yeah the where yeah that's what it's called (laughs) i like that (laughs) i think that's that's 
the best possible ending for this. He gets pulled out of retirement. He's only on. He he leaves his own scene, and everybody parties without him. Basically, this whole saga goes on. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, because it's about time we started introducing some of the people who were in the order. But the best part is that they're all partying at this university campus. <laughs> yeah, in this hall that they rented out. Yeah, they just we they, rented out the hall for the whole evening. We may as well. Yeah, they, we booked it. We've got this. We've got this hall <laughs> until tomorrow morning. We've got all That's this food. Funny. We've got the cake. We've got bourbon and port. What are we going to do with all this? Everybody just exchanges glances. And then suddenly they're all drinking, eating cake, clapping for Jenkins slides. <laughs> and then, yeah, Jenkins is the hero of the hour. He's crowd surfing. I, I like that a lot. I think that's a that's a perfect mood, especially after Don and Basilbub have their real tense and sort of emotionally charged moment together. Yeah. Now we're back like to the Jenkins, totally Jenkins. Throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> totally nullified. Yeah. It's, it's funny and it's light. It's not heavy. No. Because I would say, yeah, technically the last episode ended kind of heavy. It ended on the final of heading into the restricted session, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, to be fair, it it uh, it ended with Mike. Mike was in the end. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. We had a good thing going. <laughs> um, and I think this is fairly different from any ending that we've ever done. Yeah, I think so. But I, I, I definitely it's... think this is the ending. Yeah, this is the ending. We've gone pretty long. Yeah, we went we went over time. We did uh, start a little bit slow, and we also made the executive decision to chop up the first bit, either either move it or place it in pieces Distribute. somewhere else. But I yeah, I think we've got a full thing now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got it, and then some. That was good. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to Snideful. Uh I have been one of your hosts, Todd. I've been your other host, Tucker. And you've been a great audience for sticking around. Thanks so much. The best audience. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome to Snideful episode 95. I think so. Um, in this episode, we are catching back up with Milo, uh, Don's personal assistant slash mentor slash buddy slash teacher. Uh, 94. Oh, is it 94? Damn. Um, hey everybody. <laughs> Are you just kidding? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>